1: Uh,
0: sad news to pass along. The old Kansas City bomber herself, Raquel Welsh, has passed away at the age of 82. Legendary uh, 60s and 70s icon from back in the day. This is the second hour of Oilers Now. It's brought to you by World of Spas Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation. Just before we went to break, uh, we had the Oilers game day trivia for Pro-Am Sports. Pro-Am Sports located in Edmonton on St. Albert Trail and online at ProAmSports.ca and the question was, uh, which current member of the Detroit Red Wings tied for the Oilers goal scoring lead during the 13-14 season? The correct answer, Brendan, Scott was who? David Perron. And the winner was Randy. Nicely done, Randy. We are going to head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino hotline and hook up with former NHL player, general manager, and agent, most recently of the NHL Network. He is our Oilers now headliner today for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Hawk W I L H A U K. Today we welcome back to the show Brian Lawton. Hello, Brian. How you doing? Doing terrific, Bob. How are you? Good. We know you spoke to the San Jose. We're going to start, we're going to cut right to the chase with Eric Carlson. Uh, we know you were in the mix for that job that Mike Greer ultimately got. Um, in your conversations that you had with the Sharks executives, was, was there any discussion about, you know, sort of Eric Carlson and Brent Burns? They ended up moving Brent Burns, uh, but, did, you know, did you have a plan, a strategy in that regard?
1: I did, but to be honest with you, when you looked at um, Eric in particular, the number one strategy was to figure out a way to get him back to the level that he was when he was in Ottawa and basically almost carried that team to the Eastern Conference uh, representative in the finals, losing to Pittsburgh in Game 7. That's what a lot of my strategic thoughts had to do with Eric Carlson. Okay. Uh, he's done that in spades this year, and I'd say a lot of people are surprised, but he is healthy. David Quinn has done a magnificent job there. Uh, Quinny did some things I thought were brilliant, because uh, I do continue to speak to the Sharks and other organizations, and really kind of level set Eric as the leader of that club, and he's done nothing but respond positively. And I don't really want to get into some of those private-type conversations he had with Eric. Okay. But uh, the message was heard, and Eric responded, and his game looks as good as it's ever been. All right,
0: so he's got four years left in his deal. He's an $11.5 million cap hit. He's the runaway favorite to win the Norris Trophy. He's in year four of an eight-year deal at $11.5 million cap hit. Um, his name has been linked out there. There's been suggestions that the cost would be three first-rounders, and maybe the Sharks could eat you know somewhere around 18 to 20%. Do you see him being a guy that potentially could be moved in the offseason to a more competitive team, given that the Sharks, once they get you know things start, uh, done with Timo Meyer, are likely to be in a little bit of a rebuild?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think there's any denying that the Sharks are going to, you know, they're analyzing. That's what Mike is doing, analyzing where they're at. Um, club has clearly dropped from a 50 year incredible run that they had as an organization. And you got to take a couple of steps back yeah. before you can start to really leap forward. So I don't think that's any secret. I think most fans would understand that the question is, you know, when you start to move players like potentially Eric and certainly Brent Burns, when you look around the league, the one thing that'll stand out about that particular deal is the amount of of term required on the retained salary. Yes, That's their only player, but there's not a lot of guys. You don't see a lot of teams that are willing to retain salary on multi-year deals. I felt like the Sharks had to do it with Brent. They did do it to move him because of the age, and I believe it'll work out to be very favorable for the Sharks in time, but it's clearly favorable to Carolina in the short term. To add another player like Eric that has four full years left, uh, is something that we haven't seen GMs willing to do. Yes. You have not seen two teams with two guys with long-term retention on players.
0: Just as a, a, a hypothetical here, how do you think the Orders already have the best power play in the league? Again, he's having an unbelievable, his five-on-five scoring is off the charts. He's driving play for them. How do you think he'd look here at Edmonton on a team with McDavid and Dreisaitl?
1: Oh, there's no doubt he would be amazing in Edmonton. He would only play better. Um, I used to represent Sergei Fedorov. Eric is a similar type of dominant player in the National Hockey League, obviously a forward deep, But personality-wise. Uh, Sergei was always best when he played with other star players. That is my point of saying this. I believe Eric would be the same way. A hundred percent. You put him with McDavid, Dreisaitl. Um, There's a cast of guys have your years this year. Hyman, Ryan Nugent, Hopkins even hit it. It's hard to hit levels. I think Eric Carlson will just, even uh, his star will rise even more, in my opinion. All right. A lot of people,
0: Brian, have suggested that the Oilers need a, a shutdown D like Gavrikov or Edmondson. I will tell you that personally, I don't believe... I want a guy that can move the puck. I don't know if they can get Carlson. It would be almost impossible to do from the cap perspective. Some have suggested Jacob Chickren out of Arizona. Um, Do you think Aventure needs a puck mover or a shutdown, D?
1: Ideally, obviously, they'd like to have both. But philosophically, you have to make a decision of how you're going to play. I think Kaverick would be a positive addition to the Oilers. I don't. I think that... Chickering or Carlson would be much more significant moves for them. They'll also cost significantly more. Um, don't don't go by what you hear now. The, the game hasn't even started, and Ken Holland knows that. Either you got to get way out in front of the market and make these moves three weeks to a month prior ago, or now you've pushed yourself into kind of waiting to see if the bottom drops out at the end. And I do think that's how the Oilers will play it. It's a dicey spot to be, in my opinion, because I do believe that the Oilers absolutely should look at expending significant assets to turn up the level or quality of team they have. They, are, they have played very well lately, so when you look at that, you could say, well, look how great they've played. They're a top-five team. No, and that's true, but I'm a big strength of competition guy. Right. And I would probably reset that a little bit. If I look at the totality of the league, where the Oilers is now like 12th overall in the league, certainly have played better than that. They look like you know, they'll be able to pass just a couple teams in their own division in time here, whether that BLA, Seattle, what have you. But I still don't see them in that top six Me neither. or seven teams. I wanted them in the and top eight,
0: but I don't see them there yet.
1: You'd love to see him when Connor McDavid is having a type of year. He is as well as a lot of other players. Um, things are certainly going well for the star players in Edmonton, but they have a chance this year because the West is not as strong. Traditionally, there is no San Jose Anaheim's down. LA is rebuilding. Um, Vegas has been hampered by injuries. Uh, When you look on the other side, St. Louis is down this year. Minnesota is a team that does not fit well for the Edmonton Oilers, but they're kind of up and down. Um, Dallas is good and Winnipeg is good, but those are teams. Colorado is down as well so far, but you gotta think they'll make a run. There's just a wide open path to the finals. And you have to think that Edmonton management is looking very closely at that and trying to do everything they can
0: cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, We just had Frank Cervalli on from Daily Faceoff, and he threw a curveball at us about Patrick Kane. You know, if you don't do the D, you add another, you know, offensive player. I watched Patrick last night, and Chicago had no jump in Montreal, and as poorly as the Oilers played there on Sunday, at least Edmonton generated scoring chances. Chicago had nothing going. I don't know if Patrick Kane would want to come to Edmonton. I don't know if it makes sense. But if you don't add a D,
1: there would be worse guys to add up front, wouldn't there? There would. I mean, you know, there's some real abnormalities with Patrick's situation. He's a $10.5 million cap hit, but everybody knows he's making $2.9 million, So it's not actually a lot of cash which is just a nice way of saying somebody would eat a large portion of that (laughs) cap hit (laughs) because they won't have to pay any cash to do it. If you found somebody for probably a pretty economical price. So it's not as far fetched as people might think when you just look at it on the surface, Uh, is it the right move for Edmonton? It's not a bad move for them, but I would not be looking in that direction Uh, with the exception of Yamamoto. The Edmonton Oilers have got a tremendous out of their top six forwards. And I'm just looking at ice time. Look at the top six forwards in ice time. I think... You can name the players. Obviously, it's McDavid, Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Kane's in there, Hyman's in there. Yeah, they all They're play
0: nineteen minutes. Or, they all play nineteen minutes or more, right? So, McDavid's twenty two forty, 21 twenty one fifty nine, Hyman's twenty thirty five, uh, Nugent Hopkins is nineteen forty six, and Kane's nineteen oh two. It's five guys nineteen right. minutes or more. That's a lot.
1: You are operating at a hundred and probably twenty percent of what your expected output was from those players. Yeah. So it's all good there. Yamamoto is really that sixth guy, I believe, and he's operating significantly below what you'd expect from him. They've invested a lot in him. For whatever reason, he just has not been able to get it going offensive. offensively this year. He has contributed defensively. He has missed a number of games. right? But I don't necessarily analyze their top six and say this is something we need to jump on in order to be, to get to that next level. Okay. I think their decor is somewhere you'd look first, in my opinion.
0: All right, so Brian, I'm going to shoot you some numbers, and the listeners are sick of me saying these numbers, but since Jay Woodcroft has been the head coach, it's a year plus now, everyone's been the best offensive team in the NHL. Uh, they've had the best power play. Now, they had a good power play before. They were 1-1 until last year. They were third. This year they're one by over 4.5%, which is a lot. Right? So they got, but it, since Jay's taken over, number one offense in the league, number one power play in the league. Um, they are 12th slash 13th in the league in goals against since Jay's taken over a year ago. They're 18th in the league in the PK, including 26th on the PK this year. So, and, and they're five on five scoring, and you know the stat without McDavid and Drysettle, they're double digits plus this year. They've been, you know, minus 23 to minus 29 the three previous years when those guys haven't been out there 5v5. This year they're plus 10. So they're improved in their 5-on-5 play. They can score, but they're crappy on the penalty kill. And they have been for the last calendar year. When I see that much improvement, Brian, 5-on-5, I I don't think it's tactical in terms of with the PK. I wonder a bit if it's – the manpower that they're deploying, and i they, they added day-harning in the back end to help shot suppress, and that makes me wonder whether or not they need to target a a good role penalty killer, preferably a right shot. Is that too specific on my part, looking at that, or is that how a manager would maybe look at it?
1: I think that's the way they're looking at it. I only heard part of what you're saying, so I'm hesitant to respond okay. <laughs> completely, but Essentially, um, I do think that the Oilers are just looking. If the Oilers can upgrade their d core, then they need to add another player in their bottom six that can be meaningful. But if you could just add one more D and one more player that's meaningful, I believe they are a top 17 worst-case scenario. Okay. Okay. And, and luckily for them, a bunch of the monster teams are in the East.
0: And they're going to take each other out. One of those monster teams was Tampa Bay. Steve Eiserman gets a lot of credit. Brian, did you did you do the heavy lifting there? You went through the tough times and you got Stamkos and
1: Hedman and it all starts from there, or is that too simple? Um, I just think we did our part that we should have. We did exactly what uh, you would hope somebody would do. I think it certainly has helped them having Stamkos and Hedman. I think cleaning out the roster was... You know, there's different phases when you take over a team. It's, it's not just one thing. At that particular time, the club was dead last in prospects. Uh, there was a lot of work to be done there. We did a lot of that. I think Steve Eisenman did an amazing job. You don't claim any credit on that whatsoever. We just did what you would hope somebody would do when they come in, which is have the best interests of the franchise always uh, at heart and to think a little bit more long-term. Sometimes people forget about that. I do remember when Jeff Bennett came in and Jack Sperling asked me to make a splash because there was going to be a new owner. And I just absolutely, uh, I pretty, you could probably say I whiffed on that, but I didn't agree with that philosophy. And we did not make any big move. Of course, I got fired, but that, that's neither here nor there. Are you doing the right things? I think our group did a lot of the right things were in Tampa, and I think Steve Eisman deserves all the credit for the championships they've won after that. And, and so does Julian Breiswa and the rest of their staff. They're very well run. Jeff Phoenix a great owner. Um, it was a very tumultuous time when I was there. All you really were hoping for is that you could settle things down and get this Titanic turned around and headed in the right direction. We were able to do that. We did pick Stamkos. That was like the first move in the franchise when I was there. And uh, that meant, of course, that you were the worst team in the league, which they were when I started.
0: Yeah. Uh, St. Louis, Doug Armstrong, busy general manager. He's got a lot of pending UFAs. And he would have the full support of management to turn that thing around and, and sell those guys off, wouldn't he? 100%
1: Doug has earned that right by his spectacular work he's done over the years. Uh, A lot of guys might be hesitant at this time to do what I believe Doug will continue to do. He's already shown us that he's not going to sit idly on his hands. Um, He is open for business, and I think he'll move every player he potentially can if he thinks it's going to help them down the road. And that's what I love about Doug. It's a very seamless Transition. These guys aren't that far removed from winning the cup. Um, they have a good coach. They have a lot of good players. This year went sideways on them. They've got some expiring players, but I think everybody's in play. Really, it could go from you know some of the guys like a Tarasenko that you thought might be moved, maybe to a veteran like like a Nick Letty, who still is capable of helping a team win a Stanley Cup. All the way through to a guy like Colton Pareko, who you think may never or would never be a consideration. I think Doug Armstrong uh, is a very open-minded GM, and nothing that he does would surprise me. Which
0: team are you going to be most interested to watch at the trade deadline? Um,
1: For me, it's actually, and this isn't because we're on Canadian radio here, but the two most interesting teams to me, The two that have the most on the line by far for me in the league is Toronto and Edmonton. I am fascinated to see, you know, what course of action. You've got a veteran general manager and Ken Holland who has a long, proven Hall of Fame career behind him and track record. And you've got uh, Kyle Dubas, who really has done an awesome job in his own right. Somebody asked me the other day, how would I analyze the job he's done, and I said he's a little bit like Phil Mickelson during the Tiger Woods era, (laughs) Uh, just another better competitor, but uh, shouldn't take away from the incredible job he's done there. So I'm fascinated to see how they handle this deadline. It's a unique deadline because there's so many people in on all these potentially great drafts. There's a number of teams that are just transitioning naturally out of great runs. We already talked about San Jose. They're not going to be great forever. It just doesn't work that way. Fifteen years is really a long time. Yeah. Um, so it's time for them to step back to, and we'll call it retool because nobody likes to say rebuild, but it is more like a rebuild for a number of teams. But I, these two teams, to me, are, are both have the potential to end up in the finals, and I think this deadline will determine which way they go.
0: Brian, great having you on the show. Thanks for making time for us here in Oilers now. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you. It is 126 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Brendan S. Scott with you. That's former NHL player, general manager in Tampa, and a longtime agent, uh, started Octagon, Brian Lawton. He was our Oilers you now headliner for Wilhawk Beef Turkey. We'll tell you, guests on the show received gift cards to Japanese Village for 50 years. Edmonton's destination for a celebration for the census. Reserved today at jvedmonton.ca. And we're heading back to California in April with new West travel. we still got a couple spots open. We're going to fly to L.A. You'll watch the Kings and the Ducks play the Oilers. This New West Travel package includes airfare, four nights at the Marriott LA Live, lower bowl game tickets for both games, and a reception with yours truly and special guests. For the California Hockey Package, reach out to New West Travel at newwesttravel.com. Quickly into the Oilers injury report, brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Currently on LTIR for the Oilers, both Kyler Yamamoto and Ryan Murray. Yamamoto skating again today. Uh, When he is ready to come back, the Oilers at that point will need to make a roster move. Out for... Lucas Raymond, lower body injury, out for the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, local product Mark Pasek signed with the Red Wings and blew out his Achilles. Uh, 127 in Edmonton. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Back with the Culta Hockey's David Staples on Oilers Now.